Come on. Quick ask before we get started today, I am working to help people lead happier and more contented lives. My part of that is money. So if you enjoyed today's episode or if you've enjoyed past episodes, please take a minute and leave a quick review on iTunes. Subscribe. That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it. So thanks a lot. Todd, are you ready? I am ready. Excellent. Well, I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Todd Nordstrom is a speaker. He is a researcher. He's the director of content at OC Tanner. He's the author of Appreciate, Celebrating People, Appreciating Greatness. And he is a weekly contributor at Forbes and Inc., as well as a lot of other things. I'm excited to have you on. Todd, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. George, first, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Personal life, I grew up in Minnesota. I now live in Scottsdale, Arizona with my wife, three children, and far too many dogs. (laughs) Um, Work life, I'm a a curious cat. Uh, As you mentioned in my bio, uh, my latest book is titled Appreciate, um, Celebrating People, Inspiring Greatness. I'm the, the type of guy that's curious you know, whether it's be in book format or Forbes or format or ink format or whatever else I do, if I'm standing on a stage somewhere, um, I'm, a, I'm a researcher. I'm a curious guy. I, I, I'm a type of guy that likes to figure out things like what makes people thrive in one culture versus die in another. I'm, I'm the type of guy that wants to know how work affects happiness or, or vice versa, how happiness, human happiness affects our work. Um, I also want to know things like how nutrition, fitness, et cetera, impact overall success of a person. And I'm, and I'm also curious about overarching, more broad topics, like um, things that you might consider random, like, you know, what is the meaning of hope um, in our lives? And, and how does that impact our, our career, our success, our leadership ability, um, our ability to move forward in an organization? Well, I think that's awesome right there. And I apologize right off the top because uh, I got the title of your book wrong. So it's like, George, you had one job. Come on, man. <laughs> it's, it's, funny. Right. it's funny. Todd and I were we, we, we were talking beforehand. We essentially grew up in the same part of northern Minnesota. So we could probably do a podcast on, on surviving the winters there. But that would be of very little value to most of the people listening. So, <laughs> well, since... Right. Since 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 you mentioned hope, I'd love to just dig into that a little bit. What what where has your rumination taken you on that? Well, I've, I've written a few articles about it, but I, and I just kind of you know now that you bring it up, I've just I just kind of threw it out there as a as top of mind um, concept. But you know, in all these in all these articles, when I'm when I'm writing weekly for for Inc. and I'm writing weekly for Forbes and I'm doing building content for OC Tanner based on our latest global study or, or the, you know, the book that I'm working on right now, I'm, I'm constantly digging for, you know, what are these things that really move the human race? And of course my, my focus is usually, what does that mean at work? Um, but I get curious about things that slow us down because a lot of us go to work every day and we're all good, you know, with our skill set. 
and, and we were trained in something or we have ex- experience in something and you can say, oh, Todd's a really good writer. Well, am I really that good at putting words together? Maybe I am. Um, but, you know, the thing that separates a good writer from a great writer is the, the content itself, not necessarily just the way that writer puts the words together. And I think that we all, in our, no matter what we do for our careers, you know, we all get hung up on kind of these things that we don't think are part of who we've become, whether it's hope or to the adverse of that, whether you're hung up on anger, for example. Um, I have a great story. My wife and I were in a grocery store a couple of weeks ago and, uh, this old woman and her husband were standing in line in front of us. And, and I mean, just typical, you know, she had this big knit hat with these <laughs> knit roses on top and, and they were just sweet as pie. And, and the cashier asked the couple, she said, can I ask, she goes, how you, how you stay so young. And she kind of said it as a joke. And the old and the old lady, she she like backed up and she goes, "Oh, we're not young, we are not young." She said, "He's ninety eight and I'm ninety six. And the cashier said, "She goes, wow." She goes, "Can I ask the secret to such a long life?" And the and and the old lady lit up like I've never seen anyone light up. And she goes, "Oh, I'll tell you." And she points at the cashier and she looks at me and my wife and she goes, oh, "I'll tell you and I'll tell you and I'll tell the guy behind you." <laughs> And she goes, let go of anger. Mm. I've seen anger destroy more people more than any other disease, accident, what have you. And, and I was just like, that's, that's just profound, you know? And, but how does that kind of stuff, if you're going to work every day, for example, and you're bringing in anger from home or you're going to work and, and you, you hate the people you work with, you know, how is that impacting not only the work you do today, but also your future? And I think that certainly as I'm listening to that, what what made me think or what, what popped into my head is that I certainly carry some anger or resentment about somebody that I perceived screwed me over or whatever it might be. And whenever I think sure. about that, I'm like, stop looking in the rearview window. You know, that's over. Mm-hmm. You need to look forward. I think that sort of ties into this idea of hope, right? Right. Right. I mean, because I mean, if you really break it down and I know hope is a huge concept, especially if you're joining this podcast and you're thinking you're going to get some bullet points to, you know, uh, make some more money tomorrow. <laughs> um, but but I mean, if you if you truly step back and you go, you know what, let me think about hope for a second, because if you don't have hope, you really have nothing. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a big thing. And, and I know it's, it's probably too, too big to, you know, think about, uh, in, you know, as a prescriptive term, but, um, you know, I would tell your whole audience to chew on it for a little bit because, and, and just, you know, imagine remove it from, you know, going into your next project at work or, or whatever it is and say, okay, if I just got rid of hope on this, <laughs> what would happen? <laughs> Nothing. It would be absolute failure. Yeah, and so okay. So, how how do you differentiate or do you between hope and optimism? Well, I think they're kind of the same thing. I mean, uh, um, I think optimism can be um, maybe a little bit more blind than hope. Um, yeah, and you're asking some good questions here because I hadn't even <laughs> considered that. But but I think you can run at something with some optimism. 
Um, and I think hope is a deeper, I don't know what to even call it. If it's not, but it's, I think hope is a deeper thing. Like it's, it's not about the, the project per se. It's about your, your life and your, you know, career overall rather than, you know, I, I hope this marketing message works or I hope this presentation goes well or whatever the case may be. And I, and I totally could be off on this, but I think that optimism is just a, a step down from hope. I think that they are running the same vein, but, um, but yeah, I think they're actually in the you know in the same vein. Totally, it's just optimism is getting through the project, and and maybe hope is is somehow surviving this this life um, <laughs> with a smile on your face. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. And what else sort of popped into my head was like, um, I, I I guess it's somewhat different. The idea of of thinking about things from I'm a lucky person or I'm a fortunate person. Because when somebody says right. oh, you're, you're, you're a pretty lucky guy, and while that may be true, I, I prefer to say fortunate because that's because I, I think I have the tendency to be a control freak, and I like to think that things are by my design. And you know, some of it sure. is, but obviously, a lot of it is just I'm lucky, I'm fortunate to be born where I was, have the folks that I, you know, I'm healthy and all that, all that stuff. So I, I feel like it's probably similar to that, um, but perhaps having that 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 mindset and that kind of outlook is that's that's the essential piece well i think so and, and you know it, throughout my career I, i've interviewed I, I thousands and thousands of people and and i'm and i'm almost a pest about it if i'm sitting on an airplane i start interviewing people <laughs> because i just find people fascinating but um you know it, it's interesting when i when i whether these people are just people i meet on a plane or i'm sitting down with a ceo of some big global company what i find interesting is this is perspective. And when you, when you talk about optimism or hope or whatever it may be, I think it's interesting is that how people perceive hurdles in life, I think is what, is what separates us. And, and if you talk to these people that have achieved these great things, you know, it's like Hollywood stars. We have a tendency of thinking that they just popped onto the screen because they're beautiful you know, and, or, well, they just decided to become an actor one day and now they're a superstar. Well, we don't necessarily hear about the hard days. We might joke about, oh, they were a server or they were a, this or a bus driver or the, that before and while they were struggling to become an actor. And, um, but I mean, I think the same is true in, in all of our lives and it's, and it's those rejections and those bumps and those, and when people can actually perceive those bumps and those hurdles and those setbacks is, is not like, oh, I'm a horrible at this and, and nobody likes me and I, I'm going to fail, but instead look at those setbacks as really what can I, what can I learn from this? It, whether it's your own fault or not, I mean, you think back in your own career and we probably all had really good bosses and we've all probably had really bad bosses. And I guarantee you, if you think back about your worst bosses, they're probably the people that taught you the most about who you wanted to become in the working world. Um, I mean, it may have been absolutely miserable for you <laughs> to learn these lessons. Sure, I get that. But I mean, when you look back and you go, wow, you're horrible. I'm never going to treat somebody that way. And I mean, you really, and you look back at your best, best bosses and you can go, sure. Someone was maybe inspirational or, or motivated me well or whatever, but you're not, 
going, wow, that absolutely changed me because you probably agreed with everything they were saying. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so agreement doesn't honestly change us often as disagreement or bumps or, or bruises, you know, that's the the stuff that makes us who we are. And if, and if you can perceive that hard stuff as these are the lessons and I just have to suck it up for a little bit longer, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's the stuff that's going to stick with you forever. And, and, uh, I always, I always joke with people when they tell me worst boss ever stories is to say, you know what, you, that you need to thank that person. <laughs> you need to sit down with pen and paper and write a thank you letter because they have taught you more than you can ever imagine. That is, that is the absolute truth right there. And I can, I can look at that from a couple of different perspectives. I think I, I mentioned that I still, for lack of a better term, or rather for, I, I, I try to shake it, but some, some of it still sticks with me with, with bad bosses or whatever. But I can also look sure. at that when I got started, uh, I, for about six years, I, I was doing management type things in, in the industry. And one of the first couple of guys and gals that, that I was in charge of managing, I did a good job with some, but then I did a terrible job with others. And I remember one of the guys that I did a terrible job with, he came in on like the exit interview. He said, you know what, George, you were just the best boss, the best manager I ever had. And, you know, thank you so much. And I, I look back on that now and it's always stuck with me. And I was like, no, I was the worst because I obviously did not challenge you because you did not succeed in this role. And I take full <laughs> responsibility for that. It's like, if there's no friction, you know, if I just let you keep doing what you're doing and I don't challenge you, uh, then I'm not doing either one of us a favor. So. <laughs> right. No. And, and that's, that's, it's, it's fascinating too. And I mean, if you want it, like, it's interesting that you bring that up too, because, um, you know, as leaders, as managers, even if you're a project leader or a team leader or, or just a fellow employee, you know, my, our latest book appreciate, um, we did a, a global study and, and we asked, and we asked employees, what is the one thing your manager, um, or organization could do to, to help you produce great work. And there was a differentiation between just, I'm going to show up here every day and I'm going to do something awesome. And so we were looking for what can they do to make you be the most awesome version of yourself possible. And, you know, as, as leaders, as companies, as, as whoever you are, you're probably thinking of a few different things like pay me more. Well, only 7% of people in our, in our global study said, pay me more. Um, train me. That makes sense to me. 6% said, train me. If you want me to do great work, train me better. That makes sense to me. I don't know how, um, give me a promotion, only 4%, which I think that, you know, just as workplace culture people, we think that these would be kind of the driving factors. Well, well, I'm not going to do more work unless you give me a bigger title. Well, only 4% of people actually care. It's when we get into the kind of the more emotional stuff, where the numbers start to get bigger, 12% give me autonomy. That makes perfect sense to me because it's like you hired me because you thought I was awesome. Now I'm in your company. Let me be awesome. (laughs) You know what I mean? And how many times do we go into workplaces where I go, you're a rock star according to your resume. Now do it our way. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, hold on. I, I thought I was here to, you know, be, who I was best at 12% from our study said, inspire me. That makes sense to me. We want to go to work. We want to be wound up. Um, 
far too many people never get the opportunity to actually be wound up about their work. Mm -hmm. 13% say they're self-motivated. I don't necessarily agree with this. I think we're all motivated by someone. It may not be your boss or your company. Um, It may be your customer or it may be like, George, you and I, we often get motivated by our audience, right? Sure. Uh, Are we saying something that rings true? Um, But then the big number that's bigger than the next biggest three is 37% said recognize me. And that number goes up to 41% when we ran the same study on just millennials. So there is a, a huge lack of recognition that's happening at work. And I think just one of the reasons is we've never been trained as leaders uh, or as employees or as people to like how to say something good. Our mom's always taught us and George, we grew up in the same area and I'm sure your mom said the same thing. If you have nothing nice to say, mm. don't say anything at all. For right? sure. But our mom's never told us when you do have something to say, that's nice make sure you don't leave the room without saying it. Mm. And, and we've never been taught how to say that. So it's interesting. It's an in- interesting thing. And maybe that's just the, the Minnesota seeping out of both of us. But <laughs> No, I think that that's such a, such an important thing right there. And, and, and you're hundred percent right. You know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But if you do have something nice, do not keep it a secret. So, right. Hmm. I think that that's that's awesome advice right there. So, well, perhaps perhaps you can sort of tie it in with the uh, with with the difference making tip because I think if I were to ask you how how do we encourage people to uh, to to say nice things about other people, we'd be talking for another hour here. Um, but <laughs> if you could just just concisely may, maybe give a tip or two about how how to incorporate that into into your 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 everyday life without feeling like it's too manufactured or forced well i think i think the easiest way that that i tell people is because there's a lot of people that struggle about how to say nice things how to give compliments how to show appreciation because we like again i said we've never been trained yeah but if you do this and and it doesn't have to be a formal it doesn't have to be a formal thing. If you're a boss, of course, you're going to want to make, try to make it more formal. But if it's just a coworker or a relative or a friend or whatever the case may be, I would think about this. Close your eyes for a second. Revert yourself back to the younger version of you. Elementary school, grade school, whatever. Think about your teachers and your classmates or your coaches or whatever the case may be. And Back then, somebody said something about you. They mentioned a skill or ability you had, and it was something that you actually cared about. Like, they they saw it. They understood you were really funny or kind or artistic or well-spoken or whatever the case may be. And whatever that comment was, it really, truly hit you hard, and you remember those exact words today. And it's super weird because I've had this conversation with people all over the country, and I've never met someone who doesn't have one instance that they can talk about. Take yourself into now junior high, high school, and maybe now it's it's a significant other, somebody you're dating, and, and they like you for a reason, and, and you're really touched because it feels like they understand you, and you remember, you remember exactly this. And then you go into college and early career, and maybe you had a professor or an early boss that that really saw you for, and it wasn't just good job, George, you're showing up on time. It was like, Hey George, you're good at your job, but what you're really good at 
and they see something right through you and you go, you get me. These people have influenced all of our lives and we all remember these instances like they're yesterday. Often the exact words these people said. And I've sat next to, I can't tell you how many times, CEOs from many of the largest companies in the world. And I've had them tell me these stories and I can't tell you how many tears were shed because these, these stories impact us so much. And so when we're talking about appreciating others, I would honestly tell everyone, stop thinking so much about it and just say what's real, why you appreciate someone, be specific about that talent or that character and, and just throw it out into the world because you may be that person that touches through their soul that they remember forever. You may not, but you, at least you did no harm. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. It's well done right there, Todd. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of the book? Uh, you can get the book on Amazon.com. Again, the title is Appreciate, Celebrating People, Inspiring Greatness. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Inc.com, Forbes.com. I'm on each of them each and every week. And if you want to connect with me, I please, please, please beg you and welcome you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I uh, am very conversational, and I, and I love making new friends. So please reach out to Todd Nordstrom on LinkedIn.com. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Todd your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Connect with Todd on LinkedIn, buy the book on Amazon, follow all of his writings on Inc. and Forbes.com. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Todd. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step step, from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there you can just go to the website i'll also list that in the notes of the show what's up savage nation please support the show by subscribing leave us a review and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it come on